Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 22 all the way to Ephesians chapter 6 tonight. Um, Well, I tell you, I sure love getting a time to get away, but I sure miss you. And uh, I want to let you know something. There's never a time I ever go to another church and think that they have better people than Crown Point Church. And I just want to tell you that I love you and Kelly loves you and it is so good to, to be back here. Uh, tonight we're in the third part of our series entitled You Asked For It. And I don't know if I'm going to do a sermon series like this uh, for a while because you guys make me work. You, you make me talk about difficult topics. And so about five weeks ago we took a survey and top five things you guys want to hear preached on was prophecy, end times, and now tonight's family. Uh, next week we're going to talk about either money or stress. And then the following week will be the one of those we don't talk about. We might even have to do week six on sex. I'm not sure. That, that was the last one. That was number six. And I was only planning on doing five. But since I'm already doing all this hard work, we might just go all the way. So I'm not sure here. But uh, I want to tell you something tonight. Um, this is a message that um, entire nation needs to hear. So turn me to Ephesians chapter 5. And while you're turning there, uh, you know, sometimes most elementary principles about marriage and relationships uh, are, are so pivotal. There was a, a young boy, and he was at his very first wedding. He was four years old, and he goes to the wedding, and, and, and he notices this beautiful woman in this white dress. And the little boy looks at the mom and says, Mommy, why is she wearing white? Oh, and the mom looks at the little boy and says, Oh, white is the color of joy. White is the color of happiness. White is the color of celebration. White is the color of love. Little four-year-old boy says, Well, why is the man wearing black? Tonight I'm going to speak to you about a topic. I believe this is the root of why America struggles morally today. You see, friends, can I tell you something? When when, when people are subject to serious marital family problems, without the grace of God, people's lives are scarred. And I don't speak to you tonight self-righteously. There's nothing perfect about me. Nothing perfect about the way that I am a husband. I love my wife deeply more than anything in this whole world. But tonight I speak to you from God's word. And I believe that when people are, grow up in a family that's not filled with the love of God, a family that all hell is broken loose, it's difficult to comprehend a loving father. When, when people grow up and, and their family and all hell is just torn hearts and minds and lives and commitments, it's difficult for people not to reproduce that in other marriages, in other relationships. I am the only person in my family not to be divorced. And I, again, do not say that self-righteously. I happen to marry a woman that will not give up. (laughs) And so tonight I want to speak to you about the real truth on marriage and family. So if you have your Bibles, look at me at Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at about eight or nine verses here says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything, including motorcycles. (laughs) 
Harley Davidson, Road Kings, fully dressed out in Jesus' name. Okay. Lord will forgive you. You've got a Mormon Bible or something. I'm not sure. No, I'm joking. Okay. So that's, okay. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. One more time. See, a lot of husbands like to grab the submission part, but they miss this one. So ladies, just elbow your man if he's there. Just give it to him. Whether you're single, dating him, just give it to him. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, you've got to give up a lot to your wife if you're going to please the Lord. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present to her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one. The two will become one. The two will become one. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Tonight, I want to speak to you on the thought, you asked for it, the truth about the family. Would you pray with me? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you tonight, I just ask you to speak to us tonight. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that nothing tonight would come out of my heart, but that everything that is presented tonight would come from your heart and from your word. I ask you, Lord, right now to remove any distractions. And I pray for every man and for every woman in the sound of my voice, including Barry Young, help us to leave here with a renewed commitment to our families and to you. I pray in Jesus' name that strongholds will be broken. And Lord, I pray for people that are going to hear this in their cars or on their computers. God, I pray that it would just arrest them and that, God, you would deep in our heart help us to make the commitment to marriage and to family that you desire. Lord, we just thank you that let God arise and let his enemies be scattered is the truth. Thank you that my sins are forgiven. Speak to us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, tonight I want to start off and I want to give you God's view of the family first. Let me give you three fundamental views that come exactly and expressively from God's heart. Number one, the family was the very first church. Do you know that before God created the assemblies of God, or even before God created the New Testament church, the very church of God was number one, the family. Now I'm just going to talk about this for one moment. For those of you that have kids, if you are depending on the church to raise your kids and to make them Christian kids, you are 100% wrong. 
The job of the church uh, is to fertilize what you have planted in their hearts. Uh, The job of the church uh, is to come alongside you and guide you and direct you. But the children's number one principle spiritual teaching should not come from Pastor Newby, me, Pastor Mary, Pastor Craig, Pastor Jeff. It should come from you. This is what you're going to get tonight. Hallelujah. Number two. Oh, I'm going to preach it tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Number two, having a sick, oh, this is good. Man with the Holy Spirit that spoke this to me. This is God's heart. Having a successful family is more important than having a successful career. Friends, I just want you to receive that tonight. Having a successful marriage Having a successful family, it is more important to God. It is more important to eternity. It is more important to your soul that your family, that your marriage would be healthy and successful than any title or amount of money you could ever have. Number three, God's view of the family. See, we want to be real, (laughs) Listen, I love, man, I thank God that he's a healing, delivering, miracle working God. I thank God that any circumstance I could come into, God has given me and he's given you power to overcome it. But here's the truth. 100% of families will have problems. How many can say amen to that? You might be sitting next to that problem. What? I'm thankful nobody said amen. 100% of families... We'll have problems, but here's the key. God has all the answers. You see, when your family has problems and you turn to the wrong solution, guess what? The problem will never be solved. You know, when I tried to lose weight, turn into fried chicken, mashed potatoes of gravy, was not, it was a good solution, just not the right one. You know what, friends? When we turn to the opinions of other people, even if they're men or women of God, when somebody comes to my office for counseling, they don't need an opinion. They need the word of God. When you have a problem, you don't need the opinion of a man, a doctor, or a counselor. You need what does God say. Now, God might speak that through a counselor or a pastor. But friends, I want to tell you something. Let's be real. (laughs) Every person here, we're going to have problems in our marriage. No matter how much we come to church, no matter how much we read the Bible. We're going to have problems with our kids. Say amen to that. (laughs) I don't care who you are. But let's be real. (laughs) Let's not be fake Christians and ignore it. If we turn to God, he has all the answers. So let me give you tonight, I'm going to give you seven nuggets about marriage. And seven nuggets about parenting. Let's start with marriage first. Okay, now I want you to look here. Ephesians chapter 5. The, the word says, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. But that's predicated on verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ the head of the church, and his body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
Husbands, if you are not laying your life down for your wife, you're making it almost impossible for them to submit to you. Husbands, if you're not laying your life down in the word of God and in prayer for your wife, if you're not living a godly example in front of your wife, it is going to be hard for that woman to submit to you. When you have a carnal mind and a worldly vision and your heart and mind aren't set on the things and the heart and mind of God, it's going to be hard for that woman to submit to you. And can I say something? I believe that the word of God teaches a mutual submission. One of the most godly things I do is submit to Kelly. And guess what that makes her want to do? Submit to me. And when she submits to me, I want to submit to her. It's a, it's a wonderful cycle. But I want you to hear this. Jesus died for you and me. And husbands, we're supposed to die to our desires and to our will unto the Lord. So let me give you seven principles here. I mean, these, these are life-altering. Number one, number one. Man, I want you to receive this. The level of problems in your marriage or my marriage is determined by the level of selfishness. If you're taking notes, I want to try this down. 99% of problems in marriage are, are produced because of selfishness. And you know what? The problems in your marriage are directly linked to your selfishness or my selfishness. Almost every time Kelly and I have had disagreements or arguments, it was because she was selfish. <laughs> no, Lord, don't strike me down. <laughs> it was because I was selfish. <laughs> See, the level of problems in your marriage is determined by the level of your selfishness. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 says... Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. See, when you really love somebody, you're not selfish. And I'm telling you something, friends, if you want to mess your marriage up, if you want to screw it up, if you want to tank it, be selfish. The next time you have a disagreement with your wife, just stop right there. And just say, Lord, am I being selfish? And just hear what he has to say. Just listen to him. I want you to get number two. Number two. The level of blessings in your marriage is determined by the level of selflessness in your marriage. Get that. See, they're, 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 they're directly linked. The level of blessings in your marriage is determined by the level of selflessness in your marriage. You see, if somebody loves you and you respond back in love, friends, that's not selfish or selfless. That's normal. If somebody gives you a gift and then you return a gift to them, that's not selflessness, that's normality. Here's where selflessness comes in. When somebody has a bad day and they say something to you they shouldn't have said, or they do something to you they shouldn't have done, and here's what you do. You just respond back with love and you just let it go. Maybe they spoke words that cut your heart. Hey, listen, you know they had a bad day. You know they're not perfect. Just let it go. See, that's selflessness. When, when in order for you to bless somebody, it's going to require an amount of energy or time or money, something that's going to cost you something. That's selflessness. And, and friends, you can't put a price or a cost on selflessness. I'm telling you something. You look at great marriages. You look at 
two people that are not selfish. You look at marriages that are destroyed. One, chances are both have given in to selfishness. Let me give you number three. Here's the third nugget about marriage. Number three. (laughs) You must have rules for fighting in your marriage. Gotta have them. Oh, well, Brother Young, we don't fight in our marriage. If somebody says that, don't buy a used car from them, okay? I'm gonna save you a lot of time, a lot of hardship. In the words of Bill Newby, if they lie about that, they'll lie about other things. Can I just tell you something, Knight? You gotta have rules for fighting. I'm gonna give you a couple right here. Okay, when Kelly and I went through premarital counseling, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. We went through premarital counseling with Dr. Ray Brewer, and he just implanted some cement foundation points. I'm gonna give you some of them, so don't give me credit for it. Here's a couple um, rules for fighting. It, listen, if you've already violated these rules, thank God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Start the new rules tonight. Here they are. Here's just a couple. Um, number one, no name calling. Tell you something. You'd be amazed at how fights do not escalate when you don't allow name calling. Number two, let me give you another rule. Don't use the word never or always. See, when you're talking to somebody, I'm having a fight with PJ. PJ, you're always, and you say that out. She's not always that way. <laughs> oh, Janine, you never, do, you know, she, she doesn't never do this. When you use those words, always or never, number three. And I'm just going to try to make this brief. When you abstain from using, I told you so. Let me set that in context. When Kelly and I make a decision together, let's say Kelly really wants something and I don't want it, but I concede because I love her. We make that decision together and it's a bad decision. If I go back and say, Kelly, I told you so, I, I, then I, I, don't, I take away that it was a mutual decision. Number four, stop blaming the other person. Hey, listen, you don't need me to tell you that your spouse is imperfect and you don't need me to tell you you're imperfect. Blaming somebody rarely is the solution. Let me give you one last one here. One last rule about fighting fair. You don't tell anybody. See, let me explain. I believe in being real. I believe in being honest, genuine, and authentic. But I don't believe in being stupid. Okay, I know you fight with your wife sometimes. You know Kelly has to put up with me sometimes. But you know what? When you start telling a bunch of people, how does that fix the problem? I'm going to give you one side note here on that. If you have one godly accountability partner, maybe you can go to them. Now, this can't be anybody that's got a worldly point of view and that doesn't love the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is somebody that loves the Lord and is solid. You know what I'm saying? Like a track record. You know what I'm saying? Rules for fighting, number four. Let me give you another nugget here. Um, You need at least one date night a week, even if you have kids. Oh, Barry, you don't understand our time constraints. Barry, you don't understand the budget. You don't understand everything we have to do. Friends, I do understand one thing. That when spouses' hearts grow cold to one another, it's a lot easier to keep the fire going than to start it back up. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Woo! 
It's fun to keep it going. But when it stops, it's hard to get that bad boy led again. Not that I know anything about that. I've tried to keep this fire going as long as we keep it going. Thank Jesus. Hallelujah. Friends, tonight I'm telling you, you got to have a date night. And I'm just going to go a little bit deep here. A date night is where you can intimately connect to one another and it can or cannot mean sexually. You've got to be able to have a time once a week where you can connect. You know what happens to many couples? Is many couple, pu- couples put their kids first, then their kids go to college and they have nothing left. Man, friends, keep the fire burning. Number five, nuggets about marriage. Your marriage at times might need outside help. If so, get it. You know what I tell every couple? Every couple I take through premarital counseling. I look at them, eyeball to eyeball. And I tell them if they ever face a problem that is too big for them to come to me. You know who I respect the most in this church and in in the other churches I've served? I respect the people the most that when they have a problem, they go and get help. Those are the ones that stay married for a lifetime. You know what happens, friends? Here's what the devil wants you to do. The devil wants you to get all alone. And he wants you to get totally separated from all the believers. And guess what? When you're separated, the devil's going to pick you off easy. You do the opposite. If you need outside help in your marriage, you start moving to the Lord. You start moving to godly counseling. You start getting in and getting some help. You know what the Bible says? Pride comes before divorce. Or pride comes before the fall. Number six. Nuggets about marriage. You are not alone. (laughs) If a guy comes to me and says, well, Barry, I made some mistakes in my marriage. I don't say, well, you know what? (laughs) I can't relate to you. I've never made any mistakes. I have no idea what you're talking about. No! No, you're not alone. Can I tell you something, friends? If you're writing notes, I want you to write write this down. The word isolation. That is the trap of the devil in marriage so many times. Isolation. Okay, well, we're going to go to church, but we're not going to be real with people. Now, I'm not saying you go to people. And again, I'm not saying you talk to everybody. Remember that principle? You go to one godly person, maybe Pastor Newby or me or a Christian counselor or brother or sisters in your life group, somebody who's godly. Hey, can you help us? Oh, friends, I want to tell you something. It's, it's, I believe it's in Ecclesiastes. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And I'm telling you something right now. The people I respect the most are the people who say, you know what, we just need a little help right now. You're not alone. And you might not be that way. <laughs> but if you are, be wise. Let's look at number seven here. Last one on this point. Your marriage is a gift from God. The greatest thing that ever happened to me was May 25th, 2000, when I did the rehearsal dinner for Kelly's brother. And there she was. The only greater thing was ever January 1st, 1990, when I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. But right behind that comes when I met Kelly. 
Friends, can I tell you something tonight? You need to look at your spouse as a gift from God. Oh, friends, you need to know that nothing in your life can happen greater or more blessed than whom God has brought in your life. And you might say, well, Barry, our marriage is trash. Praise God. Romans 8.31 says, knowing all these things, he is with us. Romans 8.37 says, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. If God is for us, who can be against us? Friends, you might be struggling right now, but God can turn any situation around. And that's a lie of the devil if you believe he can't. I guarantee anytime the devil says, your marriage can't get turned around, that's straight from the pit of hell. Now, I want to say one qualifier. Anytime I preach on marriage, I got to say this. If you've been divorced, there's grace. I'm talking about today. I'm talking about, what's today's date? May 6th, 2009. I'm not talking about May 5th or May 4th. Listen, we all make mistakes. Hey, if you've been divorced, it might not be your fault. There's times where it's all completely one person's fault, although that's very unlikely, but it's possible. It might be 50-50 or 70-30. Who cares? If it's in the past, leave it alone. Leave it at the cross of Christ and wake up to a new beginning. So let's forget the past. Let's deal with today. Hey, we all sin. But today, let's make marriage our focus. Let's look at number two here very quickly. Very, very quickly. Let me give you some nuggets about parenting. Number one, your kids... Don't learn as much from what you say as they learn from what you live. Oh, friends, your kids don't learn as much from what you say as what you live. If you go home and you start bad-mouthing the Sunday school teacher or the kids' pastor or the senior pastor in front of your kids, shame on you. Then you wonder why they get older. They don't want to go to church no more. Who put those seeds in their heart? Don't shut me down. I'm preaching good. I think I just crossed the line from preaching to meddling. But you know, that's the truth. You go home. You start complaining about the church and your kids hear that. You just increase the chance that when they're older, they're going to walk away from the church. You did, not Pastor Newby. Hey, he's going to make mistakes. I'm going to make, he, he made a mistake hiring me. <laughs> you know, the deacons are going to make mistakes. The Sunday school teacher is going to make mistakes. The kids' workers are going to make mistakes. If they make a mistake that's big, you go to them privately behind closed doors. But I'm telling you something. You start bad mouthing the church in front of your kids, you're planting seeds of destruction into their very innocent hearts and that's the truth oh friends i want to tell you something your kids learn from more how from more from how you live than from what you say and it goes in other areas you don't treat your spouse good in front of your kids they're not going to treat their spouses good in front of their kids when you're married we're not being fake but you shield your kids from the times you have marital turbulence. You don't expose them. When you have issues in your marriage, listen, they're innocent. 
they're going to find out how imperfect you are when they get older. Let your kids learn from how you live. If you have a passion for God, guess what? They're probably going to have a passion for God. If you have a passion for the word and they see you reading the word, guess what? They're going to have a passion. If, they, if you got a passion for prayer, guess what? They're going to have a passion for prayer. If you treat people right, they're going to treat people right. If you're a big tipper when you go out to eat, they'll be a big tipper. When you treat people better than they deserve, they'll treat people better than they deserve. Kids are a lot smarter than we think. Number two. I got to go one step further here. You know the problem with being a youth pastor was? Kelly and I were very fortunate. We had a huge youth group. I knew in our church who was really living for God and who wasn't. What do you think your kids say behind your back? Number two. That gets me nervous about having kids right there. Number two. You'll make mistakes as a parent. Acknowledge the mistakes. Hey, listen. The worst thing is not making mistakes in front of your kids. The worst thing is not acknowledging those mistakes. Can I tell you something? And I want you to write this down. In your, with your kids, you're either going to be an example or an object lesson. I want you to get that. This is deep preaching here. See, an example is, oh, I saw my daddy make a mistake, but he fixed it. He did what was right. An object lesson is, I saw my daddy make a mistake, and he didn't care about it. See, let me give you a little bit further. An object lesson is learning from people what not to do. And an example is learning from people what to do. Number three. Your kids, as Chris comes to play very softly, they need stability. Listen, when you're a parent, they need stability. Now, I'm not saying that you can't buy a new house, you can't change jobs. But can I tell you something? Your kids don't need perfect parents, they just need stable parents. They need to see the stability of love for God love for a spouse, love for others, and love for them. They need stability. I want you to write on the side there, consistency. I believe, do you guys know, I think the stat is 80% of Christian kids after the age 18 never come back to church. And I believe the number one reason is because of how parents have treated their kids. Number four. Your greatest gift to your kids is a healthy marriage. That's the greatest gift. I heard Pastor Newby say that one time. I've never forgotten that. Remember when I talked about how you need to have at least one date night, even if you have kids? You need to have that date night because those kids need a healthy marriage. Hey, listen, I get convicted preaching this message, so I'm not coming after anybody. Number five, nuggets about parenting. You cannot insulate your kids from this world, but you can store the word of God in them. Oh, can I tell you, when I was a youth pastor, man, we had all types of kids. And 
I would see some parents try to insulate their kids totally. Man, those kids were so insulated. And guess what happened? When they got 18, they were as wild as the day is long. Because those parents sheltered them. You know what, friends? Sometimes you got to let your kids fall. And then I would see parents who had balance. Oh, man, let me tell you something. Let let me tell you what. I don't know what Kelly and I's kids are going to be like. But I guarantee up to the age 18, they're going to be here for every service. (laughs) I'm telling you, if if that kid turns 16 and doesn't want to come to church, there's a reason I got that black belt. We're going to go into a bedroom, and the person that comes out, what they say goes. While they're underneath my house, they're doing what I say. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Or at least what Kelly says. But I'm being serious. There's a balance point. You don't, you don't just say, well, they're 16. They make their decisions. No, 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 no. While they're in that house, you're the spiritual head. Those kids don't want to go to church. They're going. But it's on the opposite too. You don't insulate them. You don't put them in this white ivory tower. You know the kids who are the most godly and have had that track record of godliness? That There were the parents that were balanced. The, the kids knew that church was going to be an integral part of their life, but it wasn't overly forced upon them. Those parents allowed them to make mistakes. And you got to find that balance point. Number seven. Number six. Don't expect from your kid. Oh, this is good. Don't expect from your kids what you're not willing to live. Here's what the word says. It says in Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You see, if you're telling them one thing and living a different thing, you're going to confuse them. There's so many kids from Christian homes, they're just confused. Don't expect from your kids what you're not willing to live. And you got to see it. Lastly, number seven. Realize ultimately that your kids are God's kids. Ultimately, you got to realize that. That your kids are God's kids. And as we close, I want to give you three things I want you to take home tonight. Three things that I want you to take home. Number one tonight. God wants your marriage healthy starting now. I didn't say God wants it perfect. I did not say that God wants it spotless. He wants it healthy. And and you know the way you do that? You make one baby step starting tonight. Listen, if your marriage is 10 feet away from what God wants it to be, the answer is not to take 10 feet. No, 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 no. Take one step. Okay. One step. You know what Kelly and I do? This is what we do. It works for us. It might not work for you. Every morning, we have our separate quiet times. I get alone with the Lord. Kelly gets alone with the Lord. But at nighttime... We have a little devotional that we keep in one of the nightstands. It's not long. It's probably like two or three minutes. And we, we read a portion of the Bible together. It's, in the, it's, it's all in this little devotion. We read the devotion and then we pray. Now, we, do we do that every single night? No. 
Do we do that the vast majority of nights? Yes. Or prayer or Bible reading or something like that. Take one baby step in your marriage tonight. You know what baby step you need to take. Maybe you need to keep your lips shut. Maybe you need to forget something for the past. Maybe you need to extend grace. I don't know. But take one baby step tonight. Let's look at number two. Conclusion. God wants your family saved. That's what he wants. You know know what? I pray that Kelly and I are able to give our kids a ton of different things. But more than anything else, I want my kids to love Jesus. More than anything else. If that means that only one of us works, hey, I want, I, I, we'll, we'll downgrade, we'll downsize. I want my kids to love Jesus. God wants your kids to love Jesus. God wants your spouse to love Jesus. Number three, God can turn around any family problem with love. And I want you to write this verse down, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says this, love never fails. I heard an old Baptist preacher say it this way as we close. Love always finds a way. Love finds a way.